0: Please welcome my wife Beverly has a special message for us today
1: Some of us know this verse I'll go where you want me to go dear Lord real service is what I desire However, I'm busy just now with myself dear Lord. So I'll help you some other day many of us want to serve the Lord We want to be known as strong Christians, but too often it must happen in our time and in our way. In other words, on our terms. Sometimes we even make the mistake of asking God to give us a big or important job to do so that people will see how good we are. It takes us a while to realise that spiritual growth happens as we faithfully fulfil the duties of each day whether it's where we work, at home with our family, at church or some other place. It doesn't matter whether the, the duty is big or small. It doesn't matter if a crowd of people can see our good works or not. God can see us and that's what matters, isn't it? In Matthew 6, Jesus tells us not to worry about being seed, seen or being heard by the crowd. Our concern is to please God and to do every duty that presents itself. Above and beyond being faithful in our daily duties, God wants us to be available, to be used by him to bless others. Let me tell you a little story that happened in a small Midwest country town. Brian almost didn't see the old lady stranded on the side of the road. It was a cold, wet night and he was tired and he didn't want to stop but his parents had taught him to help those in need. As he pulled up behind her, he could see that her car had a flat. He quickly pulled his jack out of the trunk and crawled under the car to look for a place to put it. Now he wasn't only cold and wet but he was dirty with several skinned knuckles as well. As he changed the tire, the lady told him that she was from St. Louis and was passing through after visiting a sick relative in a nearby town. She couldn't thank Brian enough for stopping to help her and she asked him how much she owed him. Brian surprised her by saying she owed him nothing, even though he and his young wife needed some money urgently to pay a hospital bill. He didn't tell her that though. He told her his parents had always taught him the best way to thank God for his many blessings was to help others. But he did have one request. The next time she saw someone who needed assistance, she could assist them just as she had assisted him, her. A few miles down the road, the lady stopped at a small restaurant for a hot drink and something to eat. As the smiling waitress took her order, the lady noticed that she was about eight months pregnant. And even though she looked tired and strained from standing on her feet all day, she still had a cheerful attitude. After the lady left, the waitress walked over to clean the table, and as she did so, she noticed something written on the napkin under which were four $100 bills. Tears came to her eyes as she read the note. Someone helped me today, and I hope this deed might be of help to you. She couldn't wait to get home to tell her husband how God had used this lady to answer their prayers. Can you guess the name of the husband? It was Brian. We can only guess how surprised they both were as they realised this was the lady that Brian had helped. Because this young couple believed in always being available for God to work through, they received a double blessing that night. As Proverbs 11 tells us, a generous person will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. The secret is to be available to God at all times.
2: thou forever will be great is thy faithfulness great is thy faithfulness morning by morning new mercies i see all i have need- Now there's a pardon for sin And a peace that endureth Thine own dear presence To cheer and to guide Strength for today And bright hope for tomorrow Blessings all my Ten thousand beside. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All oh, I Happiness begins with God's faithfulness to us.
0: Who wants to be happy? Can I see the hands of those who want to be happy? Everybody wants to be happy. The most amazing truths about happiness were said by a man who never went to school never went to college, obviously, never went to the seminary, never wrote a book, never ran for or held public office, never taught a seminar. Today, everybody writes a book and everybody runs a seminar to tell you how it ought to be done whether they have done it or not. But this man never wrote a book, read a book, never wrote a book, never ran, never taught a seminar, never traveled more than a few miles from the little place where he was born. He was murdered, cruelly murdered by his enemies when he was about thirty-five years of age, some would say that his life was cut short. And yet this man who did, so, who did not do so many things has influenced the course of history like nobody else who has ever lived. He turned the world upside down. His name was Jesus. He has influenced the human race more than any other person in the history of the world. Unlike many great philosophers of today, his words after 2,000 years are utterly relevant. Just recently, one of the world's greatest philosophers spoke about philosophy as it is taught in almost every university in North America and in Australia, every university around the world, and he spoke about the great philosophies that are taught, and he said, the great schools of philosophy are morally and spiritually and intellectually bankrupt. After hundreds of years, the philosophers have come to the marvelous conclusion that they know nothing. This is true. And nothing can be known. Schaeffer said that the philosophers of today are like men who are trapped in a circular building, only one room. It has no windows. It has no door. It has no opening to get out. And it has no light. And the philosophers have been walking around the perimeter of the room in great frustration, and they have come to the conclusion there's no way out. Nothing can be known. And yet in many ways, these men are hypocrites. Because while they say nothing is up or down, nothing is left or right, nothing is right or wrong, they say we cannot live according to our own teachings. And so this great philosopher said, the whole school of philosophy is utterly hypocritical and bankrupt. But after 2,000 years, His teachings still have the power to move the human heart like nothing else. When he lived in this world, the Roman Empire was the greatest force, my friend, in the world. And through his teachings, the teachings of an obscure Jewish prophet, carpenter, preacher, healer, evangelist, through his teachings the Roman Empire was brought to her knees. And more recently other great systems of despotism have fallen before his teachings. For instance, the Nazis went down because of his teachings and so did the Communists. They went down because of his teachings. His teachings are more powerful than the might of mighty armies. People say, what makes America a great nation? Some say, we have the greatest, greatest carriers, the greatest aircraft carriers, the greatest submarines. I say, so what? So what? These are not the sources of strength. A few years ago, Russia had more missiles than the United States of America, and she is impotent today. His teachings are greater than the sword. A little while ago I had the privilege with some of my friends to stand in Tiananmen Square where a few years ago the godless communists, because they are so opposed to freedom of thought and freedom of expression, because they are completely opposed to democracy and people having the right to think and to breathe, that they rolled in their tanks and they killed hundreds of students. But I want you to know that nothing, the tanks of communism, the, the great aircraft carriers and the submarines, are no match for the teachings of this man. No match. History shows it is true. His teachings are greater than bombs, tanks, and aircraft carriers and all the money in the world. 2,000 years ago, he gave to the human race amazing secrets of happiness. This is the quiet revolution that changes the world. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me today to Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus talks about the secrets of happiness my dear friends. Matthew chapter 5 and verses 1 and onwards to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 5 verses 1 and onwards Matthew says Now when he saw the crowds he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The very word blessed means happy. And in these words spoken in a long ago, Jesus tells us how we can be blessed. And the word blessed you can substitute with the word happy. Happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What did Jesus mean when he said, blessed are the poor in spirit? Listen to this. There is no correlation, no relationship between your personal wealth and your personal happiness. There is no correlation between poverty of things and happiness. There is no correlation between abundance of things and personal happiness. Robert Schuler of the Crystal Cathedral, when he spoke on this verse, blessed are the poor in spirit, he paused after the word poor, blessed are the poor. Because this seems to be such a contradiction. If you turn on television, if you turn on CNN or C-SPAN or the Fox network, all the time you get what's happening on Wall Street. It was said by one politician, simply ask yourself the question. Are you better off today after eight years than you were before? We may be better off with money. That doesn't mean that we're better off. Schuller, as I mentioned before, comments on this verse. He tells about a young man who had always hoped that he might have a Ferrari. I saw one the other day. You don't see many Ferraris. And his boss gave him a pay raise. And the pay raise was sufficient for him to go out and to buy a Ferrari, a red Ferrari. He thought, I will now be happy because I have a red Ferrari. But he found he was afraid to park it anywhere lest somebody come along and scratch it or somebody would open some old Chevy pickup door and clang the side. I know the feeling. Not that I have a Ferrari, but I belong to that band of eccentric people who believe it is easier to walk to the end of the parking lot and park on the end than have your car ravished. And so he parked his car way down the end. But you know what people do if you've got a Ferrari? Or a Mercedes? Or a Lexus? You know what they do? Can you imagine what people do? You see somebody get out of a car with 15 children and it's a big Chevy Suburban. <laughs> goes on the doors. Every dent makes a mark upon the soul (laughs) and hurts. So he got a Ferrari and he got girls. Now I'm past this stage. (laughs) I've got daughters and a wife, you know. I'm settled down and settled. (laughs) But he got girls. But the girls who like to go out with guys who drive Ferraris are high maintenance females. (laughs) Dave Dino is nodding his head. He is a man of experience in these things. And so these girls would not go where I would go, such as to the soup plantation, (laughs) or to Taco Bell, which is not a Mexican telephone company. <laughs> they had to go to places that you and I can, we can't we can even pronounce the names. When they pass out the menus, they're not even written in English. And if you say the words wrong, the French words or whatever they are, the, the waiter looks down his long nose at you. And so he had a Ferrari. It was getting dinged. He had lots of girls, but they were very high maintenance. And then... To cap it all, he took the Ferrari in for service. (laughs) If you go to a Ferrari dealer, it's $1,000 simply to park in the driveway. And so he discovered what many people have discovered that with the abundance of wealth and things, there come lots and lots of problems. You don't get peace. And you don't get happiness because of things. Jesus said, a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. What fools we are. When Jesus said there are things that are far more important, Jesus said, blessed are the poor. No, no, not in goods. God would have us to have goods so we can bless the poor. God would have us to have money so we can bless the preaching of the gospel. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus said, blessed are those who recognize their spiritual poverty, that they are spiritually bankrupt. And that is the hardest lesson for us to learn. It is the first lesson that we must learn on our road to peace and happiness that we are born sinners and we are born without a knowledge of God and that we've all broken the law of God and that we are in need of a Savior and none of us can be saved by our good works. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy people understand and appreciate their spiritual poverty, and they're the people who find it easy to say, Lord, I'm sorry, I have sinned. And they are the people who are not slow when they err with their friends, they're not slow to say, I'm sorry. A person who cannot say, I'm sorry, a man who cannot apologize to his wife, or a father who cannot apologize to his children will never know happiness because he doesn't know his spiritual poverty. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Some of the hardest words to say, and people don't say them because of their pride and their arrogance, and proud, arrogant people are not happy people. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What a quiet revolution. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We say today, happy are they who go to many parties, for they shall laugh. Happy are the comedians, for they shall be filled with joy. Jesus said, blessed, happy are they that mourn. Happiness comes through mourning. Why should we mourn? I will tell you why in a moment. There's a famous psychologist in town. A man went to see him because he was so unhappy, so depressed. And the psychologist said to him, you've just got a case of the old blues. He said, you just need to go. There's a circus in town. Go and see the clown. He's the funniest man in the world. it will make you laugh. Go and see the clown. The man said, I am that clown. (laughs) You know the song? (laughs) (laughs) Laughing on the outside, crying on the inside. We live in a frivolous society. and Lots of people are laughing and cracking jokes, but inside they're cracking up. Jesus said, blessed are the mourners. Blessed are they who mourn for the loss of their loved ones. If you know there's a resurrection. Last Tuesday in this church we had a memorial service with many distinguished guests from around the world. Splendid musicians sat here on the stage. I had the privilege of saying, we can this day rejoice because Angelo is going to be raised from the dead. If you know Christ, even death can be a cause for happiness. Your mourning can be turned into comfort. But when Jesus said here, Blessed are they who mourn, he was talking primarily about mourning that comes from our spiritual poverty, mourning for our sins. There was a man who went to psychologist after psychologist. He was a neurotic, he was an unhappy man, he was unhappy with his family. He was unhappy with his church. He was unhappy at work. He was unhappy wherever he went. He was filled with anger. We meet people like that. It shows on their faces. They come through the doors of the church on occasions and they look like a thundercloud coming up. They're unhappy people. But he came to a series of evangelistic meetings and he discovered the truth of the gospel that we are all sinners, and that if we're going to be healed we must repent of our sins and confess our sins to God and to those whom we have harmed. And he came into the room of the psychologist and he poured out there the tale of his past, and he wept and he cried and he said, God have mercy. He said, I've got to do more than this. I've got to give back what I've stolen. I've got to go and see my family. I've got to go and see my children. And his mourning was turned into rejoicing. Happy people are repenting people who are conscious of their sins. Notice the next verse, Matthew 5 verse 5. Jesus saying, Blessed happy are the meek. What shall they do? Say it loud. They shall inherit the earth. We think in America, blessed are the strong. Blessed are the successful. Blessed are the powerful. Blessed are the mighty. Blessed are the influential. I heard a team come back from the Olympic Games in Sydney and I heard the comment of the team members and I felt a shudder go down my spine when they said, We crushed them. We drove them into the ground. We won, we won, we won. I thought the voice of him who said I will be like God I will have no care for people. When people think they must win because winning is more important than what goes into it, they have lost the game. Blessed are the meek. Jesus didn't say blessed are the weak, because a meek person is not a weak person, I tell you. The Bible says that Moses was the meekest man on earth. Moses was not your typical wimp. Moses could pick up serpents. Moses could walk out in the front of a rebellious, Crowd and by the grace of God, lift up a rod and have the water depart. Moses could cry out to God and the earth would open up and swallow his enemies. Moses was more of a man than all of us put together. See him before Pharaoh at the Red Sea. Blessed are the meek, not the weak true believer in Christ will not be weak, he'll be meek. Let me tell you about a meek girl, humble. Some even laughed at her, but she was anything but weak. This girl has cerebral palsy. She finds it hard to walk. She finds it hard to coordinate her body. She finds it hard to talk, but she went into The marathon for people who are physically challenged. She ran the marathon that usually takes a little bit over two hours, 26 miles it is. She ran the marathon, can you believe it, in 11 hours and 54 seconds. She staggered. She fell. She got up and she went on, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. She is meek but she's not weak. God gives happiness when we find meekness. That is why the Bible, someone said, in love's service, only broken hearts will do. We need to understand, my friend, the true nature of success. I have over here on the organ one of Dr. Shuler's books and I want to read to you a little piece out of it, page 103, of Dr. Shuler's book, which I recommend to you, The Be Happy Attitudes. It's, it's a wonderful book. Have you heard of Hugh O'Brien? Hugh O'Brien, famous television personality. I heard about him too when I read this book. Hugh O'Brien said, I found out very early in my business that no matter who you are and no matter what business you're in, all of us go through five stages in life. Let me put it to you this way. The first stage is, who is Hugh O'Brien? That is where you begin your journey, when you sow the seeds for success. The second is, get me Hugh O'Brien. That's when you have your first taste of success. The first stage is, Get me a Hugh O'Brien type. That's when you're really successful, when you're on the top of the ladder, when they can't afford you, but they want somebody like you. The fourth stage is, get me a young Hugh O'Brien. We all grow old. We all go through the fourth stage. It all depends on how you handle it. Stay active and productive during this period. Maintain a purpose. The fifth stage is, who is Hugh (laughs) O'Brien? Do you understand now why one man said that you and I are simply animated mud on the way to dust. That's what we are. On the front of the ministry magazine some years back there was a picture of a beautiful girl. She was sitting in front of this great mirror. It was her dressing table. On the mirror, on the dressing table, in front of her there were all of these bottles that ladies have, hundreds of them. And uh, when you looked at it Closely, you saw a beautiful girl sitting in front of the mirror. But when you held the magazine back, the mirror became a skull. There were two marks on the mirror, the eyes, all the little bottles were the teeth. We are animated mud on the way to dust. None of us should have an elevated opinion of ourselves. So Jesus said blessed are the meek or the humble for they shall inherit the earth. Look at Matthew 5 verse 6. This is the next secret to happiness dear friends. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6 and please notice it in the Bible dear friends. Jesus said blessed happier those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Then Jesus said, for they will be filled. Blessed are they. Happy are those people who are hungry and thirsty. Not many people in America are hungry and thirsty. Not many. The poorest people in this part of the world are the richest people in other parts of the world. Don't forget that. The poorest people in this part of the world are the richest people in other parts of the world. Have you ever really been hungry and thirsty? I have, traveling for a week or so in the south of Iraq a number of years ago. We could not get food, and worse still, we could not get water. We literally started to dry up. And when at last we were able to get to a place where we could drink water without fear of getting some awful sickness, how we drank it. But Jesus is not talking about a, a hunger or a thirst for just ordinary water, ordinary food. Jesus said, Blessed are the people who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. What is this righteousness? This is the righteousness of God. And if you want to find happiness, dear friends, you must find righteousness. How do we find righteousness? In the days of Jesus, there were a group of Jews who were called Pharisees. They believed that a person got righteousness by his hard work, by trying, trying, trying to get right with God by his deeds. But Jesus said, that's not the way. Jesus taught, in this part of the Bible and other parts, that we have nothing to bring to God. And when we recognize we have nothing to bring to God at all, that we are spiritually bankrupt, then we get hungry for God. And God says when you are hungry enough and thirsty enough I will give you the gift of righteousness and I will just give it to you freely. And when you get this righteousness which is a free gift then you are wonderfully, wonderfully happy. Now the happiest people in the world the only truly happy people in the world are people who have the righteousness of God. Have you got it? You don't earn it. It's a gift. In another place Jesus told the story of the prodigal son. You know the story. The boy who goes out and wastes everything and when he comes to himself he's coming home and his father sees this dirty boy coming with the smell of the pig pen on his body and the father runs out and he takes a robe and puts on the boy and puts a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and he says let's have a party and they become wonderfully happy and they sing and they're so joyful because the boy has come home and the boy is standing in a new position to the father he's covered in righteousness. Look at me. You and I today may be the most filthy sinners, but if we hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God, and if we come to Christ in faith, He will give us His righteousness and we will have a joy that will just burst forth as a great party. Blessed are the people who hunger and thirst for righteousness, you can't have it, my friend, any other way. There are some people who are sitting in this church think, I can get it by my power. I can get it by my position. But inside you today, you're as empty as can be. There's something missing inside you because you don't have the righteousness that comes from God. And you know it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Look at verse 7, Matthew 5, and verse 7, where Jesus gives the Beatitudes, the be happy attitudes. Matthew chapter 5, dear friends, and verse 7. What a wonderful, wonderful chapter. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Happy are people who are merciful. The great C.S. Lewis made this remarkable statement when I read it the other night. I said, wow. C.S. Lewis said, we all agree that forgiveness is a beautiful idea until we have to practice it. We all agree that forgiveness is a beautiful idea until you have to forgive somebody. The world today is in turmoil because the Middle East is in turmoil. They say, will we have a major war? Will it influence the American economy? Will we have problems with the oil? Because the Jews and the Arabs are at it again. And what is the solution? For America to impose a peace settlement? No, you can't do it. You can't impose it. You can't legislate love. There's only one thing that can change the heart of man and that is the grace of God manifested in forgiveness. What must happen is a miracle where the Arab will say to the Jew, I forgive you for what you've done to my family. I forgive you And the Jew says to the Arab, I forgive you for what you've done to us as a people. I forgive you. Forgiveness is a great idea until we have to practice it. In one museum somewhere in the world, there is a story of a terrible, terrible time in history And the authors have written there on the wall of that museum the sad words, we never forgive and we never forget. That is why there are so many divorces in this land. That is why we have so many lawyers, because they live off a system that cannot forgive and cannot forget. That's why we have so many unhappy people. People can win lawsuits, but they're not happy people. They're miserable people deep down inside. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Kari Ten Boom is a famous person in history, that little lady from Holland whose father and sister were put to death by the Nazis. She lost her sister while in this dreadful concentration camp. They were brutalized. They were beaten. They were knocked around. And after she left Germany and the war was over and after the Nazis were beaten, she felt a calling to go all around the world, did Kari ten Boom, and tell people the story that there's only hope in forgiveness. There's only hope when we forgive people. There's only hope for happiness when we show mercy to people and people who are mean and selfish and cantankerous and nasty. And she was talking about her experience with the Nazis, how they killed her sister. She told how the grace of God kept her going and how that God would forgive every man who came to Christ in repentance. And after the meeting, a man came down the front. He said, Kari, let me hug you. I'm so glad I have accepted the good news. She looked at him. This was one of the Nazi guards who had brutalized her in the prison. What a fight. What a struggle. But she decided, I forgive you. You can't be happy if you hold a grudge You can't be happy until you and I forgive. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Look at Matthew 5 verse 8 where Jesus says, Blessed, happy are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You would think the people who look at pornography would be happy people but they're not. You would think the dirty people would be so joyful, but they're not. Today America is being deluged by a flood of filth. It is everywhere you go. The nation has largely been taken over by a bunch of liberals who do not have faith in God who have no standards at all except their own to tell you what you are to do. And so today from Hollywood comes an ocean of filth on videos, and now we have the internet where kids can go in without their parents' supervision because their parents are too busy, and the kids can unload all the pornography and all the filth. I want to say to the parents they need to close the door to filth, not close the door to the children's bedroom. In the Battle of Waterloo there was a chateau between the British forces and the French forces. I've forgotten the name of the chateau. I think it is called, if my memory's working slightly, the Chateau of Hougoumont. I'm not sure. But the battle turned on that chateau because the French pushed open the door but the British were able to close it. Then the French pushed open the door, a massive door. And in the midst of the battle, when it appeared as so, Napoleon was going to capture the Chateau and set his guns up in there, there came a little boy with a, a drum, a little drummer boy, and he sounded the advance, a little boy of seven or eight. And the British rallied, and a great big Scotsman came. And, put his shoulder to the door and they got timbers and they shot up the door and they saved the chateau. Napoleon was defeated. We need to close the door to the world of filth. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Happy are the pure in heart. It takes a great effort. Look at me. Ultimately there is only one solution to impurity, and that is the blood that was shed by this man, the Son of God. That is why we sing the hymn, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. If there is no blood to cover our sins, then there is no peace and no happiness. You and I can come today, and we can become pure because of his blood. There is a fountain filled with blood. Look at verse 9, dear friends. Matthew 5, verse 9, where Jesus continues and tells us how we can be happy people. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. He is the peacemaker. It is the gospel of Jesus that brings people together It is the gospel that makes a Jew love an Arab and an Arab love a Jew. It is the gospel that makes a Russian love an American and vice versa. It is the gospel that brings black people and white people together because only the gospel can bring peace. It is the gospel that does away with the feeling in society that you're rich and I'm poor, therefore I hate you. Blessed are the poor, yes, and blessed are the peacemakers. I will never forget because I had just been to Israel when President Sadat came up from the land of Egypt, the land of the pharaohs, to break the stalemate. He flew up in Egypt air with the pharaoh's face on the tail of the plane, got out of the plane and came to the Jewish people and he said, this has gone on long enough. Somebody must take the first step, and they welcomed him. He was murdered because he was a peacemaker, but he brought peace to that part of the world. The world and the church are full of troublemakers. Are you a troublemaker? We need peacemakers. We ask the question, how do we deal with a troublemaker, a highly critical person, because there are people who Whenever they open their mouths they seem to criticize people, they're troublemakers. But it has been observed, listen to this, people who are highly critical suffer from low self-esteem. So if you see a person who is critical and bad-mouthing people, you just need to be sympathetic with him and love him or love her and try to affirm that person and build that person up because that person in the secret of the night feel such a miserable person. We become peacemakers when we affirm and we build up and do not destroy. Happiness through suffering. Would you please notice Matthew 5 and verse 10 and onwards? Happiness through suffering. What a strange concept. Happiness through going through suffering. This is something that none of us really find wonderful to hear. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10. Blessed, happy, happy are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were... For you. What should a person do when he is persecuted? When a person is persecuted he should keep his eyes on Christ and keep doing what God has told him to do. That's what he should do. There was a young man who ran for public office in the United States of America and as soon as he announced his candidacy, he was criticized and attacked and vilified. And he became discouraged. And he went out to an old farm where he had an old friend. And when he got out there, all the dogs you know what dogs are like at a farm the dogs crowded around and they were yapping and they were barking. And he started to tell the old farmer, I'm being criticized, I'm being attacked. And the old farmer kept saying, I can't hear you, talk louder. The dogs were yapping and shouting. And in the end, the old farmer said, I don't know, son, what you're saying, but one thing is plain. The dogs may be howling and yapping, but the moon up there is still shining. You don't need to be concerned that the yapping of dogs is going to stop the moon from shining. I had a great old friend in Australia who perhaps was one of the greatest evangelists in the history of that part of the world, J.W. Kent. When he was a boy he was brought up in the outback of Australia and he used to ride on the wagons, the old German wagons with the great big steel wheels that were pulled by 20 or 30 bullocks. And when they would come into a village or into a town all the dogs would rush out and bark at the heels of the of the beasts. And J.W. Kent, when he was persecuted for his faith in after years, would say, Let the dogs yap and bark, the wagon rolls on. My friend, if you are in the will of God, you can ignore the yapping of the dogs. You can go ahead, blessed are they who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom. Of heaven. When I was a little boy, I met a person whom I considered to be an illustrious saint. I was just a little boy. His name was Kata Rangaso. He was born with the name Rangaso, which means devil strings. Pastor Haka knows this man. He's now passed away, but he's a hero where I come from. He was one of the fuzzy wuzzy angels from the Solomon Islands. And during the Second World War he was captured and he was tortured by the enemy. And because he, w- he was a pastor and because he would not work on the Lord's Day, the Sabbath, the people who captured him tied him to a stake and they stabbed him with bayonets and they left him to die in the blazing hot tropical sun. But he escaped. And when the Japanese were routed by the Allies he came back to his own village and continued his work as a pastor When I was a little boy, I met him. I can see him now. A man who had none of this world's goods. His white teeth, his happy face. He had gone through suffering. He was a happy man. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Listen carefully. Where is Milosevic? He's gone. Where is Stalin? He's gone. Where is Lenin? He's gone. Where is Alexander the Great? Gone. Who cares? Where's Napoleon? Who cares? Where is Jesus? He's alive. His truth is alive. If you, by the grace of God, follow His teachings, you will be happy. Goes against everything we believe, because we've listened to the wrong voices. His word endures forever. Believe it. Amen.